Welcome back to GA Fan TV. My name is Aaron. Delighted to be joined here by Matthew Hurley from the GA Statsman podcast. We're going to be taking a look back at all the weekend's football action. Certainly a lot to discuss, a lot to break down. Definitely a lot of talking points. You had Galway, who uh, obviously got a huge win against Roscommon. And uh, obviously we'll be playing Sligo, who, boot, who beat New York. We had wins for the likes of Clare and Kerry in Munster. Armagh and Down uh, up in Ulster booked their place into an Ulster semi-final. And then a couple of big results in the Leinster Championship. Dublin with a 28-point win away to Leash. And uh, the likes of Offaly, Kildare and uh, uh, Offaly, Kildare and the other teams escaped me off the top of my head. But uh, but there we go. We'll certainly get we'll certainly get to it all at uh, at some point. Loud, loud actually with their comeback versus, uh, versus Westmead. So, Matthew, how's things first of all uh, with yourself? I suppose... Uh, Crazy weekend of football and hurling. Like a, I don't know how many games you watched, but it was, uh, yeah, it was Matt trying to keep up with it all. To be honest, it was. Yeah, thanks for having me on again, Aaron. Yeah, it was a, it was a mental weekend. Like you looked start the game even last night. Um, Jay goal was a, it's coverage. It was sometimes a blipping. Even I don't know. Did you notice that Kevin and the Armagh game right before? So like the, the the mic seemed to be off. It was um, you know, it was a bad start, bad first impressions there, but. Uh, but yeah, very. I think I watched five games this weekend, so pretty, pretty good number. Like you know, I had the time yesterday with Saturday game, but just didn't have the time to keep up with it all uh, today. Maybe because there was about, I think, it was seven minutes of additional time in the Watford Limerick game, it ended up being pushed back, and geez, it was um, unbelievable there. But uh, yeah, decent weekend of um, decent weekend for shocks, decent weekend of uh, of action and stuff like that. Um, Decent weekend for myself as well. Who, yeah, Joanne Cantwell seemed to mention me on RT Radio yesterday, which was a uh, mad stuff. But uh, there was a uh, there was another big thing. But I suppose the big thing was the quality, and I think it's kind of gone down this weekend. I don't know what everybody else thinks of that, but even the Armagh Cavan game last night, the Galway Ross Common, yes, it was a brilliant win for Galway, but the first half particularly was very very poor stuff. Um, very well deserved win for Galway, but um. Pretty poor stuff to watch. And to be honest, out of all the five games, I thought Waterford and Limerick was the best game out there. And I thought football was better than hurling for a long time. So there you go. But um, yeah, interesting weekend and looking forward to discussing it. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Del Boy Gunner TV says, Evening, gentlemen, I'm good. For us, common Galway were there for the taking. Yeah, it was definitely moments in the game, all right, where you felt like uh, Russ Common could have uh, taken advantage of, uh, of Galway's blip at the start of the second half. Keane says great win for Loud. It was, yeah. I think they were, I think they were eight or nine points down at half time. I think one nine to four points down or something like that. So that's a, an extraordinary turnaround for uh, for Loud. But I suppose we'll start obviously with the the action from the Connacht Championship and the uh, game that was earlier today. Galway one thirteen, Ross Common one nine. I suppose as we were saying there, like I mean, Galway starting the stronger, starting the faster. It was a very cagey game, I think, which was what a lot of people probably expected. Um, I think the same traps that Roscommon set for for Mayo, Galway didn't fall for them. Um, and although Roscommon, you know, came good in the second half and definitely had moments where it looked like they were going to come good, Galway's sort of I don't know, like experience or sort of seniority managed to just see them through in the end. It did. It was a kind of a weird game. Like in even in the first half, Roscommon actually didn't um, score from play. And they had only two um, players that actually shot at the goal in uh, Kieran Martin and Ben O'Carroll. And you were thinking, were they just tired after the Mayo game? After the energy they gave in that match? Galway seemed to, uh, you know, come up trumps of the first half. But then the second half, 
Roscommon all of a sudden they bring on Keane McKeown for Donny Smith at halftime and suddenly it's just changed and Dane Kieran Murta scores the goal and you're thinking there's a game on here but uh, Galway fair play to them they came back roaring back into the game Damien Comer with a, a fortuitous goal I have to say like the ball came off the post I think Johnny Heaney took the shot and then um, came off the post and he was there but Damien Comer was outstanding today I'm actually not sure how he got, how he didn't get man of the match in uh, RT Sport today like 1-4 and I think he won two crucial turnovers or crucial blocks towards the end of the game as well, which was outstanding. Um, uh, interesting style, actually. One ten of Galway's one thirteen actually came from turnovers. I don't know what, what you'd think of that. Would you think Roscommon were pretty bad at just giving the ball away and they they were punished for it, or were just Galway? They were um, vigorous from the start. So, like, you look at even for players that turn over the ball, I think 10 Galway players actually turned off the ball at least once. So that just shows that they wanted it more today. They wanted the kind of title and they just um, were willing to give it an inch. But I suppose for Roscommon, it's not panic stations, as we we're saying off air there. Roscommon are confirmed to be in pot three for the All-Ireland series. At least they're not in pot four. So that's positive, so I suppose, for Davey Barkley's side. But they will be disappointed, especially with the first half performance in today's game. And I think Kieran Murta mentioned this in the post-match interview as well afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. No, like, yeah, like, interesting statistic, all right. Like, definitely and. Like it was a scrappy game at times. Like even in the second half, both sides were giving the ball away. You were kind of wondering, did any side really want to go on and, and grasp this game? But obviously Damian Comer's goal crucial in the in the second half. And as you were saying, like his performance in general, scoring one four was was top class stuff. Awesome. It was um, it's stuff for the ages, really. And when you look at it, Shane Walsh was struggling. Uh, Ian Burke didn't uh, play play particularly well today. Like I don't think he was on the ball. Particularly much Johnny Heaney did his bit, but Comer was the real guy to stand up for Galway. Like when you look at John Maher was good enough as well, Sean Kelly at fullback, but I just think Comer was the beating heart for Galway today. And even it, it probably epitomised his performance. Having scored so much, having contributed so much for Galway, he was the one at the back in additional time to block a Ross Common shot. And that just shows you his temperament in this game. And he, he definitely deserved it more than anything, but I could see why Kieran Marta actually got man of the match. Like he, I think he, what did he get? I think it was one six in the end, one three from play, which is pretty good scoring. Like that's almost all of Ross Common scores. But in terms of you know swinging a game one particular way, I think Damien Comer definitely deserved it. Like he was outstanding defensively and offensively as well. Got that goal as well. Kept his composure. He could have easily got two goals in the first half, but for brilliant Ross Common saves from Connor Carroll and Brian Stack as well. So. I have to say, Damien Comer was absolutely outstanding, and he's definitely in the right frame of mind. Say, uh, come the come the swarm months. Yeah, it's so crucial as well that they keep him fit as well, because you see how much better of a team that they are. Like when he's fit and for, and like even in the league final against Mayo, we could see clearly he was still still a bit rusty, still a bit injured. Um, but yeah, when he, when when he's fit and for, and it's it's absolutely um, he's a top class player altogether for this Galway team and. Yeah, like from a Roscommon point of view, like obviously in the first half it was a little bit flat, uh, as you said, like no no points from play in the first half. Like, what do what what do you think was the reason for that? Like, what was it like? I know you could maybe look at it and think where they tired or, or or something of that nature. I don't really buy that to be honest, just because like it was two weeks since since the game against Mayo, and I know they put in quite a lot, but yeah, like it was just it was just a little bit flat, which. We wouldn't really associate with, with Davy Burke's Ross Common having seen them play for, for the majority of this year so far. And even even more damning, actually, in the first half, 
they only won two turnovers in the entire first half. They actually got most of their possession from their kickouts. I think Ian Bedford's Morris mentioned this in RT commentary as well. Yes, they won 11 out of 11, and I think 20 out of 20 towards the end as well, which was brilliant. But when you look at the positions where they were collecting the ball, it was literally a short kickout, and Galway were just not putting pressure on them. What Galway did actually smart in the first half were just invite pressure, Roscommon pressure onto them, and then they pounce. And in fairness to Galway, they definitely did that. And what epitomised this, I think Johnny Heaney intercepted this ball in the middle of the field. I think it was um, one of the Roscommon wingbacks, maybe it was a daily kicky across the ball. Heaney intercepts it. He kicks it straight into Comer, and that's Comer's first goal chance in the game. Roscommon should have copped on uh, from uh, that sort of instant. But as the game went on, I just think Galway were much better at uh, turning over the ball than Roscommon were. Roscommon were sloppy, but I think Galway were um, in their face. And that was the main thing for uh, Galway. But I suppose, like, when you look at the Mayo game, it was almost like perfection for Roscommon. It was almost a situation where you're not going to learn anything yet from uh, David Burke's point of view. But from this particular game, Roscommon could take a lot of lessons. Like, for instance, don't give the ball away so easily. You know, have a bit of a crack off uh, Galway. I, I think that was another issue too in the first half. They just didn't have a, weren't brave enough to have a bit of a go off them. Like, as I mentioned, only two players actually uh, kicked for shots in Ben O'Carroll and Kieran Murta in the first half. You know, that's pretty, pretty poor, I have to say. Like, it, it came, I think their first shot from play was around the 25th or 26th minute of the match. You know, and that's not really good enough um, in intercounty football, especially in senior football, especially in this game of this magnitude. But um, it is lessons for Davy Byrne to, or Davy Burke to learn from uh, in the next few weeks, rather than the Mayo game where it was always perfection. And I suppose, like Ross Common, with the players they have, I genuinely believe in all their semi final is there for them, but they have to perform better than they did today to end the season on a high note. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Like, and I, and I suppose from a Galway point of view, like, does it show how far along they've they've come now as a team? Like, the fact that, as you said, like Shane Walsh probably wasn't at his best today. I think in commentary they said he might have been nursing an injury or something of that nature. Ian Burke wasn't, you know, hundred percent at it. You know, there was a bit of an over reliance you felt on on Damian Comer to to get the scores and and sort of make it happen. But like the fact that they're able to win these games, like. We are like looking at Galway in the last couple of years. I always associated them under Porrick Joyce as a team that had to win playing beautiful football, and it was a bit chaotic. It was a bit like a bit like Mayo in some ways, where it was a bit bit a bit chaotic. They'd win through brilliant, beautiful football, and you know, when the going got tough, you'd, you'd question a little bit, especially with how they've been defensively. But this year, there definitely seems to be a switch, and like the fact they're able to, to grind through these games without always playing at their best, I think is a is a is a good sign and. You know, they're, they're definitely one of the front runners for, for Sam Mavor, you'd have to say so. And with the players coming back into the team as well, like Killy McDay came on late today, you know, and John Maher's been playing out of his skin in midfield as well. And it's just the depth that Galway have at the moment. Like Mayo and Galway, I think, are two of the best teams in terms of depth at the moment. And speaking of depth, actually, Galway didn't need to bring on their big guns until additional time today. I think they brought on only one sub up until then. I, mean, I, I think that was the exact number anyway, but... That just shows you, like, the players were still willing to fight and um, give it their all up until the 70th minute. You know, and Ross Common by that point only made four subs. And that just shows you the difference between the two sides. Like, um, Keane O'Neill definitely has something drilled into them, I have to say. Like, last year was his starting point. This year they've moved on. And I think Galway are definitely going to be a threat. 
come Hinder High Water for the Sam McGuire this season. They're almost certain to be in pot one for the Sam McGuire group stage as well. So no one would want to face them. No one would want to play them. And I think Galway are definitely up there with them, all other contenders. I think they would have learned a lot from the Kerry game last season. Like Even like I know I mentioned the subs and stuff like that and how they close out games, especially today and especially in games in the league. Kerry, prime example of match day seven. In the All-Ireland final last year, Galway did not close the game out properly. They performed well up until that point, but they didn't close it out properly. And Kerry just had that extra verve in them. And I, I think Galway have added the verve this season. I think they've done absolutely superb. And I think Galway are definitely on the road to doing great things in the All-Ireland this season. Like um, Dublin and Kerry, you'd argue, haven't been tested in the provincial championships and probably won't get tested in the future weeks. Whereas Galway got a massive test today. They got a massive shock at the start of the second half in that third quarter. And they they rode it over the wave in fairness to them. And yeah, um, they, they're getting tests. They're getting um, you know, they're getting exposure and they're performing well. So all looking good for Galway at the moment. Yeah, and they didn't panic as well at the start of the second half. Like when that goal went in from from uh, Kieran Murta, like they had a goal chance a couple of minutes previous as well. Like they, you know, it just felt like Russ Common had really turned the screw, and they didn't panic. Like they, they, they just kept going. They kept plugging away. Um, like even though there was a drop at the, at the start of the second half, like they, they capitalised on on the big moments. And I suppose as Gavin says here, Russ Common had a lot of chances. Talk Homer's goal was a bit fluky, but despite the point difference, uh, was bigger this year by a point. And I thought Russ Common. Had more fight in them than last year, um, and yeah, like it, it is a fair point, but I suppose like you have to, you do have to commend Damien Comer at the same time. Like when that ball, you know, he could have easily turned away, and and as I think it was Peter Cook who took the effort, if that sails over the bar, like he could, you know, he could have easily just been, you know, jogging back to get into position, but instead he anticipated that the ball would hit the post, and he'd be he'd be there first to, to put the ball on the back of the net, and. You know, like the yeah, you have to commend them for that. You know, it's these small, these these fine margins. I think that you know separate the, the good teams from from the great teams. It's actually funny because Shane Walsh did the exact same thing against Mayo the Connacht final years ago as well. I think it was twenty twenty one. It seems to be Galway are the only county that actually do that. It's just a common sense thing. But I don't know why counties actually don't do do that in particular. Like as you rightly said there. And it was epitomised in um, a game between Cork and Lowe last season. Like um, When Samuel Roy took the free for Lowe, all the Lowe players were jogging back into position for the kickout. And you're thinking, what if the ball goes off the post? Who's going to be there to collect it? You know, you're not just going to let the opposition just get the ball and uh, move down the field after that. And in fairness to Galway, I know it's a common sense thing and more countries should be doing it. But the fact is Galway are actually doing it. And you have to commend them for that, in fairness. And uh, that probably does separate the good teams from the great teams. They anticipate every um, situation and they apply themselves to it. And fair play to Galway, they do that. And fair play to Damien Comer. It might have been a fluke. Most people might have said that. But at the same time, I thought, I, thought, I think it's just smart play. It's just common sense. And uh, fair play to them for it. Yeah, and I suppose from a Russ Common point of view, as you were saying there, like... I suppose no no need to panic. Um, a bit a bit like Mayo, and in, in some ways, like you know, they're going in as a pottery side. They'll have a bit of a break now before the before the group stages, and like I think they'll have one home game and two away games. Um, so going away from home might be might be a little bit difficult from from a common point of view. But at the same time, like they're they, they are a very good side, and as Gavin said there, like they have they they did show a lot of fight in fairness. Um, they did show a lot of fight in fairness in the second half, and you do you do have to commend them for that and. 
as you said, like plenty of good players in the county, young players coming through. Davy Burke's first season season as well. So, you know, no 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 reasons for panic stations. And you know, as a Dublin fan, even like they're, they're definitely one of the pot three teams I, I wouldn't want to play, to be honest. It's an interesting point, yeah. And uh, even look at them, um, I think actually the demographic of the group stage, I think it's one home game, one away game, and one neutral venue. So, you know, okay. that's going to be a, that's going to be a you know a, di- a difficult change. Like I think uh, the Super Eight's actually employed uh, the same structure years ago as well. So, um, that was that's literally the same structure as the Super Eight. But I think they'll be definitely up there with one of the best teams um, in Pot Three. Like you look at the Pot Three teams at the moment. I think Conor McKenna put this up on Twitter um, at the moment. He's come to be apt already. Mayo, Tyrone, the losers of Monaghan and Derry and Roscommon. That's the Pot Three teams. Like, yeah. I think me and Tyrone will definitely fancy themselves as probably the best teams in us. But I, I definitely believe, like, Ross Common, we'll talk about Monaghan and Derry in the weeks to come as well, probably next week, once that semi-final ends. But those are very good sides in that pot three draw. Nobody would want to face anybody in that draw. It's no softy at all in um, that side of the draw. I take Gavin's point as well about the fight. Like, I think I think in 2021, I think it was in the height as well, God, they were playing Ross Common. And Galway were absolutely slaughtering them in the first half. And there was just no fight from Roscommon coming up in the second half. Today, they at least show fight. And you couldn't have said that about the Roscommon team in years gone by, despite the quality they possess. So fair play to them. They're definitely motoring on nicely. And David Burke has definitely got a tune out of them. And I think Roscommon will definitely be a threat um, come uh, the future months in the, uh, this summer. Yeah, Jarlett says here, do four place teams get any home games? I think they've won home game, I think. Yeah. Um yeah. one home game. So yeah, so, so at least at least for that, like they, they, they will get a home a home game. Uh in, in like in fairness. Tom says we'll sort out the Rossies later on uh, in the in the quarters. Uh, I think that's the Mayo supporters there gunning for gunning for some revenge. Um but yeah, like an interesting there when you say the pottery sides, like it's you're like you'd nearly rather be in Pottery in some ways because, it, like, for at least for Russ Common, they know they avoid Mayo, they avoid Tyrone, and they'll avoid the loser of Derry Monaghan. Like, there's a lot of great sides in there, so it's actually not necessarily a negative being in in Pottery. Which you think, like, when you look at the standard of the sides that are going to be in Pottery as opposed to Pot Two, like, there's there's quite a bit of a difference there. Not to discredit any of those sides, but it's just the way the provincial championships have, have sort of gone this year. It is a very good point, and uh, normally pots would be, um, you know, connected to the Champions League and things like that. And usually, you'd say pot three, you could pick a few sides out of that. But if this are the championship, you can't pick any sides out of it. And look at the second pot. Um, following on your point there, at the moment, the second pot will read Sligo, Loud, Armagh, Clare. Like Armagh are probably the only team there that look all Ireland contenders. Like Loud. They've done well in the last few years, but Ross Common would definitely want to crack off them. Sligo, yeah, no doubt. Like their division, they've done, they've made some great strides. In fairness, fair play to Tony McIntyre's side, but they're a division voting. Clare, I think Clare and Armagh are probably the two ones that you'd probably want to avoid in that pot. Maybe load a small bit. But um, and even in the fourth part at the moment, um, as a matter of interest, at the moment it's Westmead, Donegal, Cork, and Kildare. That isn't a bad pot either when you think about it. So there's going to be still a lot of good teams in the All-Ireland and then the first part of the stands is Kerry, Dublin, Derry and uh, Galway. So it's going to be an interesting few weeks in um, the All-Ireland series and uh, we'll definitely know our Sam McGuire and Tajik Cup teams by the end of next weekend. So very exciting times. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Jarlitz is anywhere to find the pots. Um, I think it might be on ga.ie or uh, might be up on Wiki- the, the All Ireland Championship Wikipedia page. Um, but obviously, like these pots are not confirmed. We're just going off like what we think will happen. Like obviously, Dublin and Kerry haven't won their provincial championships yet, but most likely they, they will. Uh, in fairness, um, but I suppose moving on then, uh, the other game in the Connacht Championship was between Sligo and New York. It was Sligo. 216, New York, six points. Patrick O'Connor there getting two goals and a point, uh, which were key for Sligo in what was a very comfortable, comfortable win from a Sligo perspective. And the New York fairy tale and unfortunately ends for another year. I suppose they will, they will play in the Talchin Cup, in fairness. Yeah, and uh, as we were saying off air there, um, they'll probably beat me in the Talchin Cup. So all's, all's well in New York and uh, fair play to them for that. But um, yeah, this game... Look, it was over. It was over at halftime. Like I watched this on GA Go. I thought it'd be a lot more interesting. I thought New York's fairy tale will definitely continue. But yeah, I haven't seen all that though about the excitement and all that. Fair play to Sligo. Like it could have been a banana skin like him, um, the lead from game over the last few weeks as well. But Sligo, they put the bed this game early and they got out um, out of dodge pretty early as well. Like Paddy O'Connor, 2-1, Noel Murphy, I think, scored five points in this game, which was outstanding. Sean Carabine. Did well. Pat Spillane was drifting in and out in the first half, but he got two crucial scores in the second half. Look, I think Paul McNamara from centre-back was very good for Sligo. I think he got three turnovers in the game and he got a point as well. And he was um, a menace all day for New York. I thought he was excellent in this game. But um, yeah, New York, look, um, they, were, they were always going to be under the cost, weren't they? Like, um, when you look at... I know it's an excuse. I think Ty mentioned an Arsenal fan TV a few years ago, but um, the weather... Uh, you look, it, it, it does play a factor, I have to say. Um, like, um, I didn't expect it to be that bad because I'm over here in Scotland. It was nice and sunny yesterday, but I looked on GA Golden over Markridge Park. It was absolutely pelting rain. So, and I, I think even like even the first kick out that Sligo had um, from Mick Cunningham, Mick Cun- it was a huge turning point in the game because Mick Cunningham hit a 45, okay, wide. But Sligo just put the ball down. They kicked the ball out and then... They are not the attack for a goal in New York were absolutely open. I think there was about two or three men back for New York at that point against four Sligo attackers. And that probably just set the tone in the game. Sligo were just more prepared for uh, New York to lead more. And that was the story of the game in that in that sense. But um, yeah, fair play to New York. They'll go into the Chelsea Cup with confidence. But for Sligo, Connacht final, fair play to them for since 2015. So, And their last Connacht title, a bit of a trivia, their last Connacht title was 2007. Who was their opponents in that game? Galway. Could history repeat itself? There we go. There we go. The Sligo, the Sligo fans will will certainly hope so. Uh, certainly hope so. And obviously beat them at under twenty level most recently as well. So there definitely is something brewing uh, in Sligo and fairness. And um, and as you were saying there, like obviously when I was speaking with with Shea Brady on my own preview show there during the week, um, we were saying like it's a, it's a difficult one for Sligo because. Even if they win the game, they're probably not going to get that much credit because it's it's you know it's against New York. It's a game you should be beaten and everything else. And then if you lose, it's you know a big embarrassment or or whatever. People were saying. I don't agree with that, but that's what people were saying when Leitrim lost. Um, but to be fair, like they just absolutely brushed them aside, and there was no nerves. There was no messing about. Like this game was like if this was a boxing match, it would have been stopped in the first few minutes. Like Sligo were just from the first minute to the last minute by far and away the, the better side. They were, and uh, it probably just epitomised the quality in the, the teams as well. Like, even some of New York shot selection, some of their decision-making as well in this game 
was pretty poor. And you could see the difference from um, being home in New York to being away in Markovich Park. At home, New York were absolutely comfortable. It seemed like there was it was their own playground. Uh, I, I excuse the pun, no, but um, it was absolutely incredible to see that. But when you look their performance at Markovich Park, they just looked a bit uncomfortable, I thought, New York. And maybe that just comes with um, the more games they play in Ireland. Let's not forget, in the last 10 years or so, or even more than that, New York have only played two games in Ireland against uh, Offaly in Tullamore and against Sligo yesterday. And, you know, that's not enough uh, game time in fairness. And, you know, the, the main thing for New York really is to get more games, in all honesty. Like, uh, as far as I know, New York are actually true to the preliminary quarterfinal. So they're only guaranteed one game in the Tatum Cup. That, that's not particularly good either, that they won't get, um, you know, the exposure. So I think they definitely would have wanted to win the game yesterday because they would have been in the All-Ireland group stage. You would have been guaranteed four, at least four games then against Galway and then the three group games. But now you're in the Tatum Cup, you're only guaranteed one more game. And it's kind of, it's kind of, you know, kind of disappointing after um, that historic win over Leeds, in my opinion for uh, those New York lads. But in fairness to them, they've had a good year so far and um, they'll take um, that win against Leeds from long into the memory. But for Sligo, I think it was an excellent showing. And uh, you were mentioning the one that got the credit. I definitely agree with you. And the stuff that happened with Leeds from as well was um, out of order online as well. And um, hopefully uh, those uh, keyboard warriors are actually, you know, um, punished and punished severely after that. But, yeah, um, look, Sligo can only beat what's in front of them. Like, I, I'm sure, like, Cork actually had the same, um, were in the same boat last year when we beat Loud and Limerick. We're like, you should be beating Loud and Limerick, but uh, you're just like, you can only beat what's in front of you. Sligo can't uh, determine who who they draw in the next round or whatever. So, you know, you know, you have to give credit to Sligo as well because Leitrim took their eye off the ball and lost. If Sligo took off the eye off the ball and they, they lost, there would have been absolute condemnation. But the, the reality was they stuck to their principles. They got the job done early. And you have to give them credit for that. I give them credit anyway. I'm not sure would the various media outlets give them much credit though. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose for from a Sligo perspective, like would you give them much of a chance against Galway? Like I think it would be it would be a tall order if they were to to go and to Tron Galway. And it would certainly be one of the big, big, biggest provincial shocks and you know, probably of all time. Um and obviously, they, they are, you know, there is a lot of underage players there at the minute. They've plenty of good players, but you'd imagine it probably just would be a, a step too far against against Galway in the in the Connacht, in the Connacht final. Well, history would uh, suggest that um, they have a chance against Galway. Um, I, I definitely think they have a chance. Like they beat Galway in twenty ten as well in the semi final. And I'm trying to actually remember the lot. Well, they, I think Galway gave them quite a trimming years ago, but that was when Sligo was in a low ebb. But once Sligo were, you know, pushing forward as a county, they seemed to get the better Galway in, in those years. But I just think Galway are be- way better now than they were 2010-2007. And that's the reality of it. And I think Galway would definitely um, get the job done against Sligo. But it, it may be an unpopular opinion, but I don't think Sligo will actually disgrace themselves in the Ghana final. I think it, it they definitely do something where it could be under 10 points. And I think that would be a mini victory for Zygo in many ways. They'll go into the all Ireland series and look, three games against top opposition, that will always improve them going into a Division 4 camp or Division 3 campaign next season. And um, like Division 3 will be up there for contention, for a promotion and all that. There is some tough teams in it. But I think Sligo, the trajectory they're on, 
I think they definitely fancy their chances of uh, having a run in Division 3 and ultimately getting back to Division 2. So maybe this game against Galway is the start of that um, upper trajectory. Yeah, no, it is a fair point and I do agree as well. Like, I don't think... You know, I don't think it'll be be over 10, 15 points. I don't think it'll be an absolute an absolute walkover. Um, in fairness, and I think with it being a conic final as well, I'm sure Sligo will want to bring their bring their A game and and everything else. Gavin says here, wish New York could somehow play in the Talchin Cup group stages instead of the quarterfinals because I fancy them against the Wexford rather than a Cavan. It's a fair point, isn't it? Like, and I don't know, is there a, like like is there a way to try get New York maybe more involved? Do you think in the Maybe not necessarily in the league, but at least in the chat. Like, because if they had a one today, they would have went into the All Ireland group stages. So they, you know, they would have been going into a group stage had they won today. So w- why not allow them in in the Talchin Cup group stages? I know it's tough with logistics and obviously you know finance and everything else, but I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm sure the GA has enough money to, to 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 be helping New York out. Surely, like. Surely, the other thing about it, but uh, even even something small. Have a five-team group, yeah. you know, like it's something like that. But if the GA want to keep a four-team group and all that, who would you kick out out of there? London? I don't know really, but um, maybe maybe London because they they've got a load of games over the last few years, whereas in New York have it. But for me, I think the five-team group is the obvious uh, solution going forward for uh, New York. Like, what harm could it do? Like one extra week of championship football. You know, and this is this is my point about the preliminary quarterfinals and um, in the Tartan Cup and the All Ireland series. It's a waste of time. Why can't you just have first place, second place quarterfinals done? I, I mean, why do the GA need to stress themselves and do this? Like, whereas if you have a fighting group with New York in it, you could then have that week to finish off that group stage. You know, so. You know, I think the G kind of missed a trick there, having not having a five-team group. But certainly, I would have had a five-team group. You know, and I know it would have been wouldn't have been in the status quo and all that. But at the same time, I just think the preliminary quarterfinals has just raised so many problems that the G could have avoided, and they could have even had a five-team group with New York in it, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, yeah, no, it is, a, it is a fair point. Like, and I do think we should. We should be trying to, to get New York more involved, um, in, in fairness. But I suppose it is it, it is a tricky one. And I suppose it's not easy for the players as well to be making the, making the trip over when they obviously have work commitments back in back in New York as well. <clears throat> and then obviously the same for for teams that are, that, that are travelling over. But, but definitely something I think that they should uh, they should look into. We'll move on to the Ulster Championship then. It was Armagh 114, Cavan 12 points. Uh, very... Comfortable, comfortable result in the end for for Armagh. Like I was, I was disappointed with Cavan to be honest. Like I thought in the first, I didn't see much of the second half to be honest. But from watching the first half, like they just seemed very, very flat, and they they didn't really get going at all. And it was very, very light work for Armagh, which you know we were all expecting this to be a much closer game than it eventually was. Yeah, and I thought the first half would definitely be more um, competitive than it was. Like in fairness, but no, you have to give credit to Armagh. They went out of the blocks completely and Cavan just didn't. Like um, I think one particular stat just um you know seals the game and uh, puts it away in a book or whatever. Cavan sixty points Armagh three. Just summed it up. Uh Cavan. You know, I, I just think Cavan they were kind of uh, you know they, they were very poor at their shot selection last night. They were nearly kicking shots from the wing. 
when they should have been getting into the scoring zone. I think Michael Murphy on GA goal was blue in the face trying to say this um, on commentary. I don't know how many times he said this. You, you, could, you could literally, I think it was about five or six times he said this. And Cavett was still getting it on the wings and shooting it from there. And it, was, it wasn't just um, a, a particular player or a particular set of players. It was literally the whole team. I think Paddy Lynch had a few examples of that. Johnson McCabe had an example. Garrow McKiernan in the second half. He wasn't really in it in the first half. And then the Ben Creeley goal. Like there was a few arguments. Ben Creeley was in the square for the goal. Again, I, 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 I was only watching in the moment. So I have to look at it again. But by, on live viewing, I didn't think it was a square ball at all. I don't know what was the condemnation about that. But um, one player that I want to talk about, Conor Torbett. He got, he got seven points last night, eight shots. 23 shots in the last three games, 20 points. That's incredible varmint. Like, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because that, the, the last of those uh, three games was against Tyrone, or the first of those three games uh, in that run. And the Tyrone game before that, Reen O'Neill had the supposed fight with Kieran McGinney. And you were thinking, who's going to step up to the plate? Isn't it amazing how um, Conor Torbett just steps up as soon as that happens? And it's incredible far from him. And... Uh, Really, really good form. Like in fairness, uh, Shane McPartland had a good game as well. Ethan Rafferty, both the yeah, Cavan were very, very disappointing last night. Though. Just the, the, it was almost like the 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 effort was there for Cavan, but the execution wasn't. And that Jack just was the end of the story there. But for Armagh, I think they look good last night. Um, Dow will be a tough um, will be a tough uh, trace in semi final next week. But say for Cavan, Luke Tadjian Cup, and I think Cavan will be favourites for it, but they'll have to improve in their shooting massively to win the Tadjian Cup this season. Yeah, I think so as well. And as you said there, like with Connor Turbo, obviously coming in, kicking seven points, obviously Ben Creeley getting himself a, a goal as well. Um, and I suppose it, it is positive for Armagh, like obviously without Rian O'Neill, they, they're still able to find the players to, to step up and and obviously get the, get the job done. And, yeah, like a, I suppose from a cabin point of view, just very flat and and yeah, un, unusual to be honest with you. I'm not sure why their approach was like that because usually cabin like in the Ulster Championship, like it's all guns blazing. Like especially if you remember them against Donegal last year, I thought they were very unlucky not to uh, not to come through and win that game. So like you're looking at it and thinking, you know, cabin or you know, it's hard to know really why cabin were so flat. And you would think with so much on the line. Like a Sam McGuire place, Tavin would definitely be up for it. And it just weren't in the first half for some reason. I don't, I don't know what it was. Like, I think the score at half time, I think, was about 110 to, to six points at half time. That was a seven point margin. Tavin were never going to come back after that. I know, I know Armand had a pretty bad second half, but in fairness to Tavin, look, um, they, they actually showed a bit of fight in the second half, but it was just the execution again. And that was, that was the end of the story there. And yeah, but uh, what I will say about Green O'Neill about um, Armagh, he actually came on late on in the game and he saved an almost certain goal at the end as well. So fair play to Green O'Neill coming on and proving all the doubters wrong and um, with the Beguini fights and all that. and He just um, saved a, a certain goal and fair play to Green O'Neill for that. But for Cavan, look, they have to improve. And um, the way they played the game in the first half, I just think they need to be more attacking, play to their strengths. Like they have excellent forwards in Garrett McKeon and Paddy Lynch. Jonathan McCabe, like um, uh, Tiernan Madden's a good player coming on. Oshin Kieran's a good attacking defender. Like, they have excellent players, Kevin. You're just thinking, let the shackles off. Go for it. You know, and like, you know, what's the worst that can happen last night? Like, 
Look, I, I think Cavan would have been disappointed with the performance as well because they just didn't go for it. And again, it's all right. Look, um, a lot of teams went for it and got punished badly. Like I'm sure Leach did against Dublin today. Uh, tip maybe a bit against Kerry as well. They got hammered, but at least they gave it a bit of a go. Cavan, I just don't think they gave us enough in the first half particularly. And that was what really disappointed Mickey Graham and the wides as well is a big, big thing. And um, they definitely have to improve on that going into the Touching Cup. They'll definitely be favourites for it, uh, considering Meade's performances. For Manor, they beat them before. So you'd have to say Cavan are favourites for it, but they have to improve massively to win it. Yeah, yeah, no, I think so as well. Like definitely, definitely a lot of room for improvement from uh, from a Cavan perspective. Um, the other Ulster semi-final then, or Ulster quarter-final, I should say, was down 2-13, Donegal 1-11. If you had a predicted a scoreline like this uh, before a ball was kicked this year, you definitely would have been surprised. But considering how Donegal have looked this year, a bit of a renaissance obviously going on and down at the minute, obviously with, with Conor Laverty going in there, um, and obviously some of the, the Kilku players coming back into the team. And uh, what what a result, what a win, and what a day for, for down football. It usually would be. You mentioned this at uh, the start of your introduction to this game as well. Like um, it, it normally would have been a shock looking at this scoreline. But look at Donegal's form. Donegal, what is going on in, uh, up there? Like um, The management seems to be all over the place. Like The players don't seem to... Give me, like in fairness, it was one four to one four at half time. I was tracking this game at Scorpio the app there, and Johnny Gall seemed to be you know holding their own, but then down score penalty through Pat Haveran, and suddenly it's done. And you know, Johnny Gall just down tools. And I think credit has to go to Don, in fairness to them. Like last year, let's not forget, Don were in a similar position to Johnny Gall, and this time in Division Two, a lower division, they were an absolute mess last season. You were thinking, where is down football going? They bring in Laverty. There's a good feel around the camp. The Kilku players are back. And fair play to them, they're, they're getting a tune out of them. And it's almost like the fortunes have kind of flipped. Donegal seem to be in disarray. And Down, there's a good feel around the camp. And fair play to Down for winning it. Pat Haveron is an outstanding forward. Ryan Johnson. And Ryan Johnson is another player, actually, that has uh, dipped in and out of the panel. And you were thinking, is he going to play? Is he going to stay? Whatever. But he scored three points today from centre forward. An exceptional performance, I have to say. Um, Eamon, or Eamon Brannigan I think his name is good, or Eugene Brannigan I think at number 15 he got a point as well and he said he would never play for Down and he's in the starting 15 you know so fair play to Down for him um, you know throwing off the shackles and um, performing well but I think unfortunately for Down um, like, like um, maybe like Claire Clare's performance against Cork or many other performances in the last few weeks, New York's performance against Leitrim was much more talked about because the likes of Clare, Cork and Leitrim weren't seen in disarray. But Donegal, unfortunately for them, they are in utter disarray at the moment. And to be honest, at the start of the week, I would have seen the coming as well. I think I would have said around uh, five points. I think I, I think I changed my prediction on Banzo on the prediction. I'm not sure. I think I said five points. I'll have to check it again tonight, but... It was something around those margins anyway, so that just tells you I wasn't shocked by the results at all. And um, Donegal, again, on a downward spiral, you wonder what will happen to them in the All-Ireland series. If they're in a group of debt, which they most likely will be in, they're going to get a fair few hammerings in the All-Ireland this season. But for Down, it's a lifeline to get into the Sam Maguire. But even if they don't get into the Sam Maguire, I think Down will definitely be favourites for the Tatching Cup yeah. this season. If you look at Cavan, their performance last night, the Whites, 
they had a Kavanaugh so sloppy in particular games. I think Down will definitely fancy their chances. It, it, definitely to get to Crow Park for a semi-final, but definitely winning it is um, definitely up there for them too. Yeah, like, and I suppose like I've seen online and a lot of Down fans and I suppose general GA, I suppose enthusiasts probably saying that maybe Down are sort of like they're reminding people maybe of Derry, and I do look at that in a, in a sort of similar way where. Derry were in disarray for a long time. A lot of their, you know, a lot of their players were just playing with their clubs and weren't committing to the county side. Rory Gallagher goes in and, and just completely galvanizes them. Connor Glass obviously comes back from, from AFL as well. Um and like looking at it from a down perspective, wouldn't go as far as that. Like, um, like a like a there has been a little bit of underage success here and there, a few good players. Um, club levels looked all right, but like it does seem like Connor Laverty and Down are, are building something and you know, like they, they they won't be going into that Armagh game just to, to take part. Like they'll they'll look at this as an opportunity, and it is a big opportunity because although Armagh did brush Cavan aside, they weren't really hugely tested in that game. And when you look at it from an Armagh perspective as well, like as we said in the league, they weren't particularly brilliant. So like it's not it's not a foregone conclusion that Armagh beats them. It isn't absolutely. I'd be definitely more wary of uh, Don beating Armagh, being shocked the week next week. In fairness, like Don seem to be, you know, there's a good tune of them. Conor Laverty seems to get, um, you know, good tactics there. But uh, I looked at the team recently in the Scorpio app. There, I counted. Correct me if I'm wrong, no, but I think it was five Kilku players on the team today. The starting fifteen. That's a third of the team. In fairness to Don, I think Eugene Brannigan's one. Johnson's another actually. So that's um, that's uh, nearly. Uh, six actually, Ryan Johnston, Caelan Doherty, Ryan McAvoy, that's four, uh, Michal Rooney, and Noikin and Goal. Yeah, that's six. So that's over a third of the team. And fair play to Down for that, for getting the players involved from Kilku. And you see, once Kilku were up in their pomp in the last few seasons, you see what they did to Kilku Golden in that uh, all around final. You see what they did to Ballybone in years gone by as well. And you see what they've done to many other teams. They're an excellent side, Kilku, in fairness. And to have six of them players committing to the Downs um, starting 15, never mind the bench, that's incredible. And that will only um, stem down even further. And maybe we're just forgetting that uh, Cavill and Fermanagh are pretty good teams as well. And they finished ahead of Down. They beat Down. And I think Down, if they would have just, if they would have focused more on uh, the, their defence for Sean Quigley goal in um, that game against Fermanagh, they'd be a Division 2 team. So, mm. You know, they weren't far off uh, Division 2. They have to kill cool players back, to feel good factors back for down. And I think they'll be definitely a threat um, come, the, come the game against Armagh. And even if they lose that, I think I would have them. I know Cavan have done well over the last few years and they got to a Talchin Cup final last season and would be seen as favourites. But in my eyes, down would be favourites. Looking at the kill cool players back, the feel good factor, Conor Lavery's impact. And Conor Lavery's actually, I think, the under-20 manager as well. And to have him on both teams, and the, the under-20s are in a final as well on Wednesday against Derry, if they win that, you've seen what they do to Sligo, um, getting to a kind of final, winning an under-20, winning a minor championship, their school teams, down their kind of team coming up as well. And it isn't a great actually hard to see teams like down and Sligo come back to the fore, and we have more teams competing at the top level, or even close to it. It's absolutely brilliant. No, it definitely is. Like, and even like that—that's been one thing that I've really enjoyed about Derry's rise in the last couple of years. Um, you know, and even you know, if you think back to the likes of Carlo, and they had a bit of a rise as well. Like, it's great to see new teams coming along and being competitive. Like, at the end of the day, we all want competitive games. We want the best championship possible, and 
you know for that to happen we need we need more teams improving and and kicking on um so yeah no would would 100 agree uh we'll have a look at the games in the munster championship then we'll start with claire versus limerick it was claire 114 limerick 14 points big big result for claire and for calm collins they booked themselves into a first munster final since 2012 big result for claire and maybe a bit of more of a sticky game than what they would have anticipated um considering limerick were very much the whipping boys of division two and claire gave them an absolute hammer and on the final day of the league but yeah this it was a bit a bit of a tricky game but in the end claire got the job done Fair play to Claire. It, it normally would have been a sticky game like last season. You definitely point towards that and you're thinking Claire have to win this game and they eventually lose and event these judos. And after beating Cork, it would have been huge pressure on Claire to get to Munster Final. And they did, in fairness to them, Keenan Sexton hitting a goal early and Claire just uh, ran on steam after that. And fair play to them for that win. And Keenan Sexton again, he got 1 4 last night all for play. There's 1 8 for play in two games. Like he's actually a forward on form. He's on razor to our form. And Claire seemed to be doing well. And I've seen as well in the Saturday game, Killian Ryan actually got a similar point to the one he scored against Cork. The one he scored against Limerick was the exact same. You know, the last point for Claire, fisted it over the bar. And to have that energy in the legs as well, going to the last few minutes in a tough game, fair play to him. In two games in a row, not just one. And fair play to him as well. And uh, Limerick, look, they gave it a fight in fairness to them. They did not let Claire out easy. And I didn't think they would either. Mark McCarthy's a you know, passionate coach as well. Ian Carver, Keane Sheen played pretty well. I think uh, Kill, uh, Killian um, Fahey uh, played his part as well um, in some parts. But uh, yeah, Sean O'Dea scored a point from fullback. Brian Donovan, James Nocter scored three points. And he was one of the top scorers in Division 2. So pretty good performance from Limerick all over the field. But fair play to Clare, fair play to get in the Munster final. And uh, it's been a long time coming, hasn't it, for Clare? Like 11 years without the Munster final. I know the progress the Cullen Collins has made it and praised, but they really had to reach a Munster final. And I'm just delighted for Cullen Collins and his team to get over the line. And it comes a time of the year where everybody writes off Clare. Every single media outlet, they write off Clare uh, without a fuss, really. And I've been saying over the years, maybe it's just me being a Munster man, Clare are a very, very good side. Like, let's not forget, Clare beat Ross Common last year. And Ross Common are up there, one of the best teams in Ireland. And you're suddenly saying Clare will get a hammering off Kerry and Kerry are much better playing Cork. Like, I mean, some people actually don't make sense at the moment. Like, there's a lot of talk on Twitter. And uh, speaking of Twitter as well, there's actually a lot of talk of the Clare Kerry Munster Vine being on in Cusack Park rather than the Gaelic grounds. Play it in Cusack Park. Please, Monster GA, please do it. Like, I know they won't because, you know, um, the situation with Cork over the last few seasons, Kerry were begging to play in Fitzgerald Stadium rather than Parky Rain last season. And then during a COVID-19 pandemic, they decided to play in Fitzgerald Stadium rather than Parky Heaver to get a grounds that time. You know, mm. just ignore Kerry this point. Please, Monster GA, and play it in Hughes Park. Make it more of a game. You know, and that's all we're asking for, but... As we all know, Monster G, Aaron, it's going to be on in the Gaelic Grunts. We, ju- we just know what's going to happen. And um, ultimately, Kerry might get another easy run on it. But where if it's on in Cusack Park, it will definitely be more of a spectacle. The place will be hopping. And Clare will definitely have football on the rise. And fair play to them for getting to this Monster final. Colin Pallant definitely deserves it. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, like it, se- it seems like this is basically what Clare have been working towards. Like this is the icing on the cake. Like this is the one thing... 
that they hadn't achieved. You know, in the Colm Collins era, they've been so good in Division Two for so long. And obviously in Munster, it's it's tough for them when they're in, you know, when, when you come up against Kerry, when you, when you face them. And obviously there was numerous years where Clare kept on Kerry, uh, you know, in, in the championship, in the Munster championship in the early rounds. So, like, it's, it's great that they finally have their moment. And, you know, like, as you said, like, a, I think we'd all envisage Kerry to win the game. But, like, Clare, Clare are a good side. And if Clare bring what we know they can bring, it could be a closer game than people expect. Like they nearly beat Dublin, you know, and and a lot of people have Dublin as all, as one of the All Ireland contenders. I know it was in the league, and people maybe look at different things, but you know, I, I don't think it's as give. Like I think Kerry will win, but I don't think it will be you know ten fifteen points. I think it could be seven or eight, maybe even less. Yeah, I'll definitely I'll definitely give Clare a chance of even you know competing well in the first half because let's not forget again, Clare were last day team last season. And deservedly were in their place. Like they beat Ross Common, and like, that was a Ross Common team in the league that should have beat Kerry and Austin Stack Park. You know, like I don't know why people come up with these um, assumptions that Clare will actually roll over against Kerry. Yes, I do think Kerry will win the game as well eventually, but I think Clare will definitely put it up to them. They were a Division Two team for every year since about 2016 or 2017. That takes guts, and I think Clare will definitely. Put it up to carry, and when you look at the clear team, it's not just you know a situation in Dublin and Leinster like against Leash today. Leash have a few good players and all that in their forward line, and they, they're good to catch fire and things. They have to catch fire, but when you look at Clare, they are just one or two players, and um, that is at the same level as Kerry. When you look at their players at the moment, Keenan Sexton won eight in his last two games from play. Owen Cleary, outstanding footballer. Emma McMahon, one of the stars in the Sigerson Cup, would you will. Pierce Nillis, excellent man marker. Dara Bohannon, um, Darren O'Neill, Carl O'Connor, Daniel Walsh in the UL team as well. Jamie Malone has been excellent for Clare down through the years. Stephen Ryan is finding farm and gold. Manus Doherty is one of the best um, cornerbacks in Munster at the moment. Why can't they challenge Kerry? I think Clare will definitely put up a definitely put up a fight against Kerry. And just to make it more of a, even more of a contest, Munster GA should have it in Cusick Park rather than the Gaelic Grounds or Calary. Just to give it a bit of a, you know, a bit more spice to the occasion, and then it will be an absolutely rocking place if it's on Cusack Park. But unfortunately, if it's on the Gaelic Grounds or Fitzgerald Stadium, it would probably be a half a capacity stadium, and um, it won't be much of a contest after that. And uh, yeah, but in fairness, Clare, looking at the players they have, if it's on Cusack Park, I'll definitely give Clare a chance of uh, rocking Kerry's Federals a small bit. Yeah, yeah, no, it is a, it is a, it is a fair point in fairness, and I suppose, yeah, like we obviously seen the Clare under twenties give give the Kerry under twenties a, a good rattle during the week as well. So you know the the the, the production line in Clare is definitely not slowing down, um, which is which is obviously great to see. Uh, Kerry they booked their, themselves obviously in the Munster final as we were saying they beat Tipperary twenty five points to, to five points. Um, yeah, like I suppose not not a lot really to to, to say on this one. Um, went as expected. Was just, the, the fact there was no score of uh, like in the opening ten minutes was a little bit unusual uh, to be honest with you. But yeah, once Kerry got going, it was yeah it was game over, wasn't it? You know what? The montage on uh, the Saturday game was actually better than this game. You could basically play the montage or uh, Marty going to you know, Fossa for a walk or something. Like he, I think Kieran Whelan actually mentioned in the Sunday game, he may have, basically could have gone down to the National Park, he could have gone out to Fossa to go for a walk, he could have gone, you know, to, to you know, take a picture next to Puck, the 
the whatever whatever I think it's in Clarvelin poked the the you know the, I think it's a reindeer that um, that statue and Marty could have just taken a picture there and you would have thought okay he spent him um, a good few hours there and fair play to Marty for that but instead he had to go to Fitzgerald Stadium and watch a training match literally um yeah yeah, yeah again Ireland oh you I'm, I'm just you know, there was there was nothing much to talk about in the game. Twenty point margin. The only positive, I suppose, I actually predicted it bang on. And Fanzo, uh, for a match predictor, I said Kerry will win by twenty points, and they did. So that was a bit of positive. I got thirty points out of that. So fair play to me for that, and fair play to Kerry for um, you know chipping it on with the scores. But look, on a serious note, why do we keep having these games? I you I've seen your um. Kind of uh, mini rant on the JMAP podcast as well about um, these sorts of games. We'll get on to Dublin Leash in a minute as well. But what was the point of this game? It was a waste of time. You know, I usually go and watch games back at GA Go because I have to pass and all that. I got it in the early work in December, but I, I was just like, I couldn't be arsed watching this game. Couldn't be bothered. You know, it, it was just a training ground for Kerry. It was nothing much. Tipper going to the Talking Cup with uh, the greater confidence. Marty will go on um, another, you know, uh, another escapade with um, with a uh, with the horse and back and uh, things like that. And um, yeah, that's a, that's about it. That's all I can say. And uh, Artie uh, did very well at the montage, but unfortunately, the game did not live up. Well, it did live up to expectations in a sense, but wasn't the game wasn't McCarran at all. No, no, like and man, and like you were looking at it and thinking like there was just nothing you could learn from a carry perspective, like. Obviously, it was good good to see Paul Ganey back and Tony Brosnan kicking five points. But, yeah, like, I watched the game and it was, like, it nearly felt like I was watching a game of golf like or, or something like that. Like, it was just a very sort of – like, there was no atmosphere. There was no, nothing at all. It was just, you know, it was just like – like, it was like an exhibition game or, a, you know, or something of that nature. Um, and I suppose another game that was like that, we might as well, I suppose, stay on the same trend. And that was Dublin's win against Leash earlier today. Four goals and 30 points, which uh, is, is absolutely outrageous. Um, there were 22 points up after half an hour. And uh, to be honest with you, like it could it could have been this could have been worse as well. Like Dublin stopped playing in the second half. Um, a- a- absolute madness altogether. And yeah, tw- 28 point win. Crazy. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure you were watching the game, Aaron. So I'm going to ask you this. How many people were actually at the game? Surely there was empty seats. There definitely was. There definitely was empty seats. All right. I think the fact that it was in Port Leash, it's a small stadium. Obviously, a good bit of Dublin fans had travelled down. You know, plenty, plenty of Leash fans. You know, passionate Leash fans will will want to come to support their county. But it was yeah, it was a very dead atmosphere. Like as soon as Dublin, I think Dublin kicked three goals in the opening fifteen minutes. As soon as they all went in, yeah, it was, it was game over. You know, and I'm sure people probably left. You know, you know before the the, the final whistle. And they would have gone to see the scarecrows or they go to the chipper. That would have been more entertaining, to be honest. And uh, you could make all the jokes you want. We're trying to lighten the mood and all that. And I've seen you were trying to lighten the mood. You would carry game yesterday. But like, I know people want the provincial championships for historic relevance and all that. So, like, I remember the provincial championships, Michael Cousins scoring that goal against Kerry. That will live with me forever, that moment with Carpy Kerry. But if we're going to have these games, what's the point? Seriously, we know what's going to happen. So why are we actually playing these games? I know yeah. Leach and Tipperary fans will say it's a disgrace um, that uh, we're talking about these teams like that, but 
Leash and Tipperary are Division 4 teams. Kerry and Dublin are two of the best teams in the country. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's... Is, oh the, is, the, is, the, is the only solution maybe to do something similar to the ladies' football provincial championships where I, I believe is it just Division 1 and Division 2 teams, I think, that, that, that basically just compete in, a, in basically like either group stages or just a straight knockout. Like the Connacht final is just Galway versus... Galway versus Mayo, like may, maybe that's something similar we need to do because then the Ulster Championship will, will remain intact. Um, the Connacht, cha- I, I know, like it, it's a difficult one because you look at a side like Sligo getting to play in a Connacht final, and, and the fact that a moment like them comes for them that like they wouldn't get that in this type of format, but at the same time, like something has to give because we can't just keep seeing these games over and over again. Like, we should just go straight into Dublin Kildare, Loud Offaly. Yeah, exactly. So, in the, the Leeds Football Championship, you see those games of provincial championships. Like, I think in Leinster this year, you've Leash, Mead, and Dublin. Three teams that are nearly, like, Mead and Dublin are two best teams in the country, but Leash will definitely put up to more early in their own fifth fact trick in their team. But it's those three teams only. Imagine Dublin ladies coming up against Carlo ladies. It'll absolutely be a whitewash, like it was today. And it's definitely a good solution, like, in fairness, like, uh, I remember it goes back years ago in fairness in um, the 2010s when you think about it. I think Waterford were in the semi-final in Munster. They played against Kerry. They scored nothing in the second half, I can remember as well. Why do we still have these games? Leitrim, I think, got hammered by Mayo as well in 2021. We're going to still have these games. It's, you know, And your solution with us, um, with um, the Premier Championships, it won't affect Ulster. That's the argument being uh, put across. It won't affect Ulster because you'd have... Eight teams in Ulster competing in the Ulster quarterfinals, and then you have Antrim, who will only go into the junior championship and say things like or whatever, with the GA, you know, decide to format it. But that's the only way. That's the only way you then avoid these games and things like that. It's just ridiculous at this point. Why you'd have these games? It's a waste of time. It's literally a waste of time for um for people reporting on the games. It's a waste of time for fans. It's a waste of money. Why do we have these games? Sim- simply put, like the Kerry Tipperary game yesterday was like I, I only watched the highlights and I was bored. Imagine watching the full. I, I know you watched the full game, Aaron. I can, I can't imagine the amount of pain you went through watching that. You know, it's it's pretty bad, and the GA need to change it sooner rather than later. Stick to the ladies' championship. I know they they don't want to bite their tongue and say. That the ladies' championship have done right and the GA have done it wrong, but it has to be done. It simply has to be done, and um, that's the only way forward after this. Yeah, I, I think so as well. I and mean, like, even at best, you could do division one, two, and three going to the provincial championship. So then you're still leaving room for for some, you know, kind of shocks. Because in fairness, they have you know, awfully obviously beaten me today. Division three beating a division two side. Um, you know, it does happen in fairness, um, but it definitely, it definitely is something, in my opinion, that they, they definitely do need to need to look at. Um, and I suppose speaking of Offaly and Mead, I suppose one of the results of the weekend, I think, uh, Offaly won eleven, Mead ten points. Offaly were nine points up at half time. I think they kicked one five before Mead even scored their first point. And jeez, uh, Mead football is in some mess. I'd say if you if you go to the most passionate car fans and go to the fa- most passionate Dublin fans and put a camera on them, they'd be dancing on tables after this, you know. But uh, yeah, um, 
you know, look, for me, it's where does it go from here? Where, where does it go from here? It's, uh, you know, it's um, absolutely diabolical what has happened to me football over the last few seasons. It's um, pretty, pretty poor. Uh, when you when you look at it, like 1 4, 1 5 could see this. Um, and they didn't even score against Offaly, who were a mid table division three team. Where can, where does me football go from here? That's the main thing. But you have to credit Offaly and fairness to them. They stood up and fair play to them for that. You have to say. So um yeah, you have to say a very, very good um very good game for Offaly and Fairness. And uh, yeah, fair play to them for winning this game. But for me, touching cup football and honestly, with the way me football is going, I don't think they'll win that. And before I cut to you, Aaron, six games, one draw, five losses. Me deserve to be in the touching up without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I don't know if that was calm or work, maybe knocking at your door there or something. I, was, <laughs> I don't know, some, something going on there. Like the, the, the Mead fans maybe trying to trying to like stage an entry or something. But yeah, no, I do agree. Like I think, I think, yeah, like I think it's hard to really know what's what's happened with, with Mead. And I know obviously we were joking there about saying like obviously. You know, there's rival, there's rivalry in sport. So you know, obviously, there's a part of me that is happy to see Mead fail. You know, like like Mead fans would be happy to see Dublin fail. Like that's, you know, you'd be happy to see Kerry fail. They'd be happy to see Cork fail. But at the same time, though, like I, I like the neutral part of me and the GA fan in, in me wants a good Mead because a good Mead results in a better Leinster championship, results in a better All Ireland championship, and Mead are you know a fanatical football mad county like. You know, you've seen, you you see the colours that they they brought to to the All Ireland Ladies Football Final a couple of years ago, and even you see what they've done, you know, with, with the minors as well. So, yeah, it's just it's it's really mad to see what's what, what's happened with me football. Like, Calm or work going in there, I always have my question marks and and reservations about that appointment because he'd been out of management for so long. Like in terms of senior into county, you know, he'd never been a senior into county management before. The game's completely changed from from when he would have played the game, um, and and yeah, like it's just been a, an absolute nosedive. And like when you when you look at it, they like they barely la- even laid a, a glove on Offaly here. Do you know what I mean? They barely even came close to winning this game. Like yeah. it was it was it was, a, it was a whitewash from start to finish. And the game was over nearly half time. Like me needed a serious intervention to get back into the game, and uh, two points in the first half. You know, that's, that is really, really poor for me. And uh, jokes aside and all that, they only scored through Linehan and uh, Costello in the first half, 22nd and 29th minutes. To go 20 minutes without a score in what looked to be actually a nice day in Tullamore. You know, it's very, very poor for me. And uh, even look at the last few games, again, it, it's it's amazing how fortunes can change for a team. Because after the Clare game, we were thinking me could be on a promotion charge. Tullamore work has got them... Back into back into contention for uh, actually contending for a uh, Sam Maguire place, but then all of a sudden they're in the Tartan Cup now, and deservedly so when you look at us. Like yeah, if they didn't score a load of bunch of goals against Clare and Cork, they could have finished bottom of Division Two. That's yeah. how pretty bad me the football has gone at the moment, and uh, yeah, it's um, incredible the way they've fallen. But um, then again, like down against Donegal, I kind of expected awfully to beat me to the because of the way me football has been over the last while. Um, yeah, it's going to be very, very um, difficult to see how Mead um, with the Tatching Cup after this. But um, credit has to go to Offaly. Like, I know we'll talk about Mead and 
But John Falls, seven all earnings in the Chelsea Cup is a bit of a disgrace for them. But for Offaly, what a win for them. To get to Crow Park, I think, when is the last time actually Offaly were in the Leinster semi-final in Crow Park? I think it was about 08 or 09 sometime. So, so. like, pretty good, pretty good achievement for Offaly to get there. And finally, the use is coming to fruition for Offaly. And we wouldn't have said that at the start of the year with Johnny Maloney gone, with Noel McNamee leaving the panel as well over the last few months. And obviously, the tragic passing of Liam Corns, the players must have gone through a whole lot. But today, I think Liam Corns will be looking down at the Offaly players today of all days and will be absolutely proud of the way they performed. Absolutely, yeah. No, yeah. You have to commend awfully and, and and fair play to them for for seeing this game through and and coming out with the with the win as well. And you know, seeing some of the full time scenes, the awfully players jumping around, and obviously a huge, huge moment for for, for awfully football. Like as much as Mead have fallen, you do have to give a lot of credit, I think, to, to awfully and and the fact that you know they were able to keep Mead out in terms of goals as well, which I think was a as a big big plus from from an awfully perspective. Um, Few a uh, few comments coming in here, um, they seem to have disappeared on me for some reason. So we'll get back to them in just a minute. But yeah, like I mean, Calmer work like it's it's hard it's hard to know if it's working. To be honest with you, I think uh, there was a few comments coming in there saying, does he stay? Does he, you know, will he be there next year? Like it's just like he, I know there's been injuries and everything else, and like I think George Morris what, like isn't in the panel anymore from what I heard like a few injuries here and there, a few different things, but like sh- surely it can't be this bad. Do you know what I mean? Like Mead are a big traditional county that, you know, they were minor champions, minor all Ireland champions a couple of years ago. And I know it will take a, a bit of time before those players come into the senior team, but like what's, what, what's happened? Like, it's just, it's hard to, to know how they've fallen so quickly. And on Jordan Morris, actually, I've seen the Scorpio app. He's actually on the team. So yeah, okay. you know, so so um, I don't know where he got that uh, story from. But when you look at the players, me have actually Costello, Sullivan, Linehan, Colicky, Jack Flynn, um, Dolly McGowan, Power Carnan. Like those players aren't the type of players to lose a game so tamely as they did today. So something I think something has to be wrong in the backroom scene. Like it's kind of hard to envisage really because. It seemed to be a feel good factor after the Cork and Clare games, despite uh, scoring goals, um, you know, vigorously to win games and not scoring much points. But the feel good factor seemed to be in me football. But it seems as has just dissipated in the last few games. I don't know what it is with me. They've stopped playing under Rourke. You know, the fight isn't there. I don't know what it is, but it's just. Very, very poor to watch. You look at Rad Oates' success in the All Ireland Club Championship as well, reaching the Leinster semi final, which is considered a success for me, clubs. And you would think, and with the underage success with the minors in 2021, and who would have imagined, like, All Ireland minor champions in 2021, two years later, their seniors would see themselves in the Tatian Cup? You know, it's some, some drop for me, some drop. And, um, yeah, it's back to the drawing board for Mead, and um, they definitely want to win the Tanchi Cup now. Just to, there's some parts of um, Mead that actually want to win the Tanchi Cup to you know um, confirm their super, superiority, but there is an element as well. Some of the players actually might leave after this. They might just say, "What's the point? If we're going to keep getting results like this, we're just going to leave for America. We're going to leave for Australia. We're going in an early summer holiday, and the panel will break up." 
this is going to be detrimental for me in football in the next few years and next few weeks, never mind years as well. So it's going to be a tough few weeks and a tough year or so for uh, me coming up as well. It definitely will be. It definitely will be. Certainly a lot of soul searching and, and everything else will, will, will be happening in Mead. And even I was seeing Davey Rispin, who's been on the uh, podcast before, of course, um, to, to chat about Mead. He was even tweeting out saying, I think he's never seen a more subdued atmosphere going into a championship game. It was almost like a, a, a good portion of the county nearly thought that they were going to get beat, you know, and, that, and that's that's absolute mad. Like when you're you're coming up against a team um, like 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 Offaly, like and and all, you know, you got to give Offaly their credit, but like me, me should be doing better in my opinion. You know, they they definitely definitely should be. Um, but the team that Offaly will be playing in the uh, Leinster final will be loud. And they obviously uh, got themselves, or Leinster semi-final, I should say, will be loud. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit there. But a big, big result for for them against Westmead. And, uh, yeah, them versus Offaly in the semi-finals. We're just going to give uh, loud and Offaly fans the poor lads uh, hope they're on. We'll put them straight into the final. Like Half of Dublin don't even care about Leinster anymore anyway. You should just have a Leinster B championship and, uh, you know, give the Leinster strike to those because they deserve it more than Dublin. Simple as. But, uh, yeah, um, yeah, very good win for Loud in this game. Like, uh, they were 194 points down at halftime. I was looking at this as Scorpio and thinking, Loud are under the cost here. Westmead could easily win this game. And I think five from Westmead, six forwards actually scored in the first half, which was remarkable. Westmead were definitely hitting the lights out. But then Loud in the second half, they turned it around and fair play to them. They got the win. And Lowe seemed to have a habit of this as well. Like, I think they were losing half time against Cork, against Meath, and now today. And they all they turned around all of those games and won them. So, fair play to them for that. And, uh, you know, very good win for uh, Lowe in this game. But uh, it's not particularly bad for Westmead either. Like, Sam McGuire Cup, they knew they were in there already. Like, they produced a decent performance today. Like, if they produced a terrible performance and lost by their close to 10 points, then. There'll be a lot of a bit of soul searching going on with uh, Daisy Dolan in his first year, but they put up a good performance. They just lost their way a bit in the second half and Loud capitalised. And let's not forget Loud in terms of the Alliance League ranking, they're eleventh. So Westmead were facing them, and Westmead are around, I think it's nineteenth uh, in the ranking. So you know Westmead did themselves proud today. In fairness, look at the rankings there, but Loud will go marching into the Leinster semi-final the first time since twenty ten, and we all know what happened that year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was thinking about it like it'd be like for, for about Loud and Offaly, it'd be the first time either one of those is in a Leinster final. Like Loud will be their first Leinster final appearance since 2010, as you said. And I think Offaly's last Leinster final appearance, thinking off the top of my head, I think was 2006, I think, when they played Dublin in the Leinster final. Um, so, I mean, that, like it's a big, big occasion for both Offaly, Offaly and Loud. And, you know, whoever wins that game will, will have their occasion in Crow Park. They'll be the underdogs, obviously, most likely playing Dublin. But, It'd be great for one of those two to, to have their day out in, in Crow Park in the Leinster final. It will be, yeah. And uh, I think, it actually, I was thinking about this earlier today. It would be more of a prize for Offaly because Sam McGuire football, louder in there for definite, judging by uh, how the provincial championships have gone and the way they finished the league and fair play to them. But I think it would be more to Offaly to get there because they'll be in the All-Ireland Championship if they get there. But if Lowe get there, it won't particularly matter and they'll get a hammering off Dublin in the final anyway. So, you know, I, I genuinely think, I was thinking about this as well, I don't know what you think yourself. Would you be better off 
just going um, going out at the semi-final stage with a bit of confidence rather than getting a tanking off Dublin in the final. You know? Mm. Like, it's, it's a difficult one to know, but um, Mickey Hart maybe set out in the early stage of um, his tenure with Loud, saying that you need to get to a Leinster final. So maybe there's that element too. So we will have to see how it plays out. But honestly, on the outset, I think it honestly means more to Offaly than it does to Loud to reach a Leinster final because of the implications it will have. Yeah, yeah, it is a, it is a fair point. Uh, in fairness, the last game then in Leinster, I suppose last but not least, depending on where you're from, I suppose. It was Kildare, 117, Wicklow, 10 points. Uh, looking on score below, like I think at halftime, it was 10 points to five. Wicklow were keeping up the pace with, with Kildare, but I suppose it, it, it's just different levels, isn't it? You know, it, it, Wicklow obviously coming up from, from Division 4, um, Kildare obviously in Division 2. Like, and, and fair play to Kildare. Like, they, you know, there was no upset, there was no shock here. They've done what they had to do and, and they won the game. Yeah, and they got the job done, unlike me. So, fair play to... Kildare for getting there like a 10 point margin is actually pretty comprehensive considering the way Wicklow have played under Oshie McConville as well so fair play to Kildare they got the win at the end and a uh, very good win going to the Dublin game but I think they'll be going into the Leinster semi-final with a bit of grit of teeth now because they'd have to hope that Armagh beat down and that uh, Lowe beat Offaly to get into the Sam Maguire Cup and two of those games aren't involved uh, with Kildare so it's going to be a tense few, um, a tense few hours next week for Kildare fans to see if they're in the Sam Maguire. Because let's be honest, I don't think they're going to beat Dublin. Unpopular opinion, but they're just not going to beat Dublin in Crow Park. So, um, you know, Kildare will be hoping that uh, Loud and Armagh do them a favour and get into the Sam Maguire. If they go into the Tantian Cup, it'll be a bit of a disaster for Kildare. And who would have imagined that start of the year? Well, it hasn't happened yet, no, necessarily. But Mead and Kildare would both be in the Tantian Cup. Pretty incredible. But as for today, very good performance. They brushed aside a weak side on farm by 10 points. Job done really firm. Glenn Ryan on his side. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, yeah, very, very comprehensive win in the end. And I think that's three wins now on the bounce, I think, for Kildare. So definitely coming into a, a good run of form after a very difficult start to 2023, in fairness. I suppose before we finish up, who would be our player of the week and I suppose moment of the week? Player of the week? Well, you have to. I have to go for Conor Torres for um, he's scoring seven points and he's um, he's brilliant performances over the last few weeks or so. The last three games has been utterly incredible and considering the guy he was replacing as well for just a small bit of time in Reno O'Neill, brilliant performance from him. Moment of the week, I probably have to go Offaly's win over Mead. The scenes that Offaly fans had, uh, I think Brian Gavin mentioned it on Twitter as well after the game which was incredible to see and uh, great to see Offaly back in Crow Park and uh, hopefully yeah, better days are coming for Offaly football. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Like I think, yeah, for, for me, player of the week, I'd probably go for Damian Comer. I think scored one four um, and then moment of the week. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree. I think off, Offaly's win over Mead was definitely um, the, the moment of the week. I think down beating Donegal, a uh, big, big result. And even for Galway supporters beating Russ Common as well, I think quantifies as a, as a good moment of the week, in fairness. Um, but I suppose we'll wrap things up here. Uh, make sure to, I suppose, leave a like and subscribe if you could. Uh, let us know your thoughts on some of the games in the comments down below. And, uh, yeah, make sure to check out Matthew's uh, podcast as well, the GA Statsman podcast, uh, when you get a chance. And, uh, yeah, Matthew, cheers for coming on, and we'll speak to everyone soon.